Hello, and welcome to Dopey on the dark comedy of drug addiction. I'm Dave. I'm Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I feel bad that I started with the dark comedy of drug addiction. It's just, fine. It doesn't roll off my tongue properly. How about the darkly comedic addiction tales? <laughs> no, it's dope. You know, and it's funny when other people talk about Dopey. Like, I listened to, um, we're going to have Daniel from Released Into Captivity on the show today. Yeah. And he's talking about Dopey. And he said, uh, Dopey on drugs, addiction, and stupid shit. Yeah. And then somebody else said drugs, addiction, and something else. But nobody says... Dumb shit, what it actually is. It's dumb shit, man. You know what I was thinking is pretty funny? What? Imagine if the greatest thing that ever happens because uh-huh. of Dopey yeah. is it keeps us sober. This is the first time you had that thought? Yeah. You haven't had that before? Of course. But I had that thought as soon as we started. Oh, really? That was my first thought about Dopey. Really? No. But it was my 2100. I feel like it would be the last stopgap in my relapse. If I stopped doing everything. Like, stopped doing program work, stopped meditating all the time in a closet. And <laughs> and just, you know, I was on... Did you meditate today? Restless. No, I haven't done it since I got back. I was supposed to do an hour in the morning and an hour at night for Vipassana. I haven't done it since I got back. And the whole reason I did the tune-up was so I could get back into a daily practice. Let me ask you this. If they had said to you, you have to do five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night, do you think you would do that? Yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, I was talking to – it's funny. Once you could talk on the last day, I started talking to people and there's three fucking psychotherapists at the table. I was just – Vipassana retreats lend themselves to people who work in mental health professions. And I don't know if that's because we're fucked up. Or because we're interested in the brain and stuff. And the guy was saying how... We who? We as in therapists. Now you're... And now you're... Yes. Now you're, in, Okay, I know you're going to tear that one to shreds. Me you're not a, a therapist. Potential future therapist. Okay. okay. Um, and so... Uh, but that's nice that you say we as like you're a therapist. Well, I do therapy. I did therapy the last year. And clients. And, and what did you talk to? What, what did you say to them? Did you tell me about your day? <laughs> what? No, it was you a kid. say what? <laughs> tell me about your day. No, it was. Tell me about your day. No, I never say it. your day. Oh, Jesus! I was like, Jesus. I, was like I didn't understand what you were saying. Wow, I can't believe that's where your brain took it. Um, yeah. Tell me about your day. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about your day. No, they were fucking kids, so I like watched videos on YouTube and shit, and I just what tried you to show build them? the therapeutic alliance and rapport. So what would you show them? Building. I'd figure out whatever they liked, and then I'd do shit like for that. Like what? Kids into like BMX, so I'd bunch BMX tricks and shit, and you know what, what games you play on your phone. I'd download the game and play it, so I could say something about it, and then because so you'd they're, find they're, out they're, what? They're, they're, a lot of them were like um, mandated to treatment through these things called IEPs, and so like what does that stand for? It's an individualized education plan, and it's like a, a document that says they get services, and sometimes they have social emotional goals, so they have to get treatment. So they're kids, they're adolescents. They don't most of them, not most of them, but half of them don't want to be there. So you, you really have to figure out like a window into working. Would you them. say half of them actually do want to be there? I would say yeah. There's sometimes, but sometimes even when they want to be there, it's for different reasons than like doing therapy. It's because they like get out of class or something, and they're talking to you about video games. They're like, oh, and no, there's just, occasionally there's people that can like do the work. And sometimes it's funny if they can do the work, if they're really good at doing the work, mm-hmm. sometimes that's a problem on its own. It's like they're parentified. They shouldn't be good at talking about their anxiety and their depression. I mean parentified. Meaning they're, um, maybe have like tons of responsibilities and 
they need to be a kid and play, and yet they're able to delve into their past. And so I think we're fifteen year old being like, you know, I'm using quotes, dopey nation, good at therapy. That's they shouldn't be, you know. When I see that, I see the kid who's good at therapy with you. Okay, I see two enormous people pleasers coming together. You're trying to get the kid to love you, and the kid <laughs> is trying to get you to love them, and it's like a, a beautiful dance of ping yeah. pong. No. I don't know. So, so what? What video games have you started to play because of these kids? <laughs> it was so funny. This one kid, I played uh, this like race car game that he played. I don't even remember what it was called. And you have to like tilt your phone to switch lanes, right? Yeah. And like it's like you're just racing and passing people. And I didn't know you tilt your phone to switch lanes, so I just go really fast and ram into the car in front of me, and I'd be like. This game fucking sucks. Did you say that? <laughs> you the kid? I saw the kid. I told him, I'm like, your game's kind of boring. Like, you just like ran into the guy, like run into the guy in front of you. And he's like, no, you switch lanes. I'm like, you can't. And he's like, you have to tilt your phone. I was like, oh fuck. Was it the best game once you started tilting no, your phone? No, it still sucked. Were you like, dude, this game fucking sucked. <laughs> and you suck. And he's like, I love you, Chris. And um, you're like, oh. okay. So wait, we were talking about psychotherapist, meditation, retreat. We, what, what we else? therapists. How do we get on this? I don't even remember where we were. If they, they want you to do an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Oh, five was, minutes. Yeah. So they say, so the guy who populated, who made Vipassana popular again was this guy, S.N. Goenka. And they say people live with Goenka. What's his name? S N Goenka. S N. S period N period. What does it stand for? Well, the S is Sri, most likely S R I, and then I don't know what the N is. Um, and so uh, he like prescribes vipassana for you should do a more an hour in the morning, an hour at night, uh, once a month get together and do like a group sit with other people in your area, and then once a year do a ten day silent retreat. And they say people live with going to guilt because they don't do the two hours. But I was talking to one of these therapists after once we could talk. And one of these therapists. These therapists. No, they had no air quotes. Um, but and he was saying, you know, it's frequency over duration. He's like, if you just if you pledge to sit five minutes in the morning and five minutes, and I just always do that. And if you can sit for ten one time, it's fine, which is true. And that's that's habit building too. You know, you build a habit by doing it every day, and it's more about just consistently doing it. I know, but I think it sets up an unrealistic expectation to, do an to hour ask you to morning. do an hour. Yeah, and then they sell, and it's two hours. It's an hour in the morning, and it's two hours every day. And then yeah, they sell it. it. They I sell it. an hour in the morning yeah. and an hour at night. Well, then he's, but he's, let me ask you this. At the end of the day, when, when, when you're going to bed, right? Yeah. And you're, you're, you have Futurama on the TV or Star Trek. Futurama's off Netflix now. So you have Star Trek going on the TV. Yeah. I don't go to bed. I surrender into sleep. I eat and I watch TV and I keep stimulus until I can barely observe the stimulus okay. anymore. And finally my brain's like, I can't stay awake. And I fall asleep. It's not like turn the lights off and have some more milk and go to bed. It's never how I've slept. It's not a sweet surrender. It's like a, like finally it's like, all right, I can't go anymore and I'm out. Well, why do you ever try to put yourself to sleep? Oh, if I do that, like the meditation retreat, I go to bed. Like I'm so much more alert and better. So you would go to bed. Yeah. I'm just a fucking addict. There's like, there's food in the kitchen and a television, like, and a vape and like, I can't not do everything. I'm an addict and I, and I surrender to sleep. Well, you're weird. You're a relief addict. I'm a uh, action addict. (laughs) You're an action addict. And you're a relief addict. But the question is, let me just back up. So you're 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 fighting the urge to fall asleep, but you're in bed. You're thinking about what food you could be eating or yeah. what Star Trek is coming on next. And then do you think to yourself, the Gwenka guilt 
It's got me. <laughs> do you, do you, oh, the Goinka guilt weighs real heavy. I think about it all the time. This, this is a way for the... This is why... I, I was never good in school, and teachers... What are you looking at? I was looking at the mic. Go ahead. Teachers never liked me, and I never liked them, yeah. and I think it's because I would never use phrases like Goinka guilt. The teachers like, loved me. I know, because you... you I, had like one, I had one... You have, like, probably inside jokes with your teachers. No, dude, I'm the good student. You love Can it. you believe Gawanka thinks we're going to do this tonight? It's like, oh, my God. Dude, it makes me sick. I had one teacher. You might have been an action addict, but I'm the defiant one here. I'm Mr. Oh, Defiance. yeah, you're the defiant one for sure, dude. Yeah? Scrub life. You agree? Scrub life. Dude, they, I had one teacher who hated me. His name is Mr. Thomasy, and he actually said it during – he actually said the words, I hate you. And he said <laughs> – no, in front of the entire class, and he said he, – no, this is – he didn't say it. He said – this is what he said in front of the whole class. I vividly remember. He said, he said, Chris, he said, you know what I hate the most about you? He's like, I hate – that all the other teachers seem to really like you. Wow. Because he tried to talk trash about me, and they all be like, oh, he's all right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's because you... It, he like, saw through it. <laughs> he saw through it. And, and then uh, the deal funny is I saw Mr. Thomas. I came back... He was jealous of you, though. No, I came back to school once, like a long time uh-huh. later, and I was driving around. I was showing, like... In a, uh, high school? High school. I was showing an ex-girlfriend, like, the campus, you know, and mm-hmm. I was driving by, and Mr. Thomas walks by. He's the only teacher I saw. And I roll him, and I'm like, Mr. Thomasy, and it's been seven years since I was in high school. The whole school knows. Nobody goes to jail from my little prep school. So, like, the teachers know, like, you know, Chris so-and-so went to jail, Went to a million rehabs, and he was so happy to see me. And I just, I couldn't help but think, like, he was so happy just because he was like, that fucker got what was coming to him. And then the sick part is you were pleasing him by living up to his expectations, so finally he That's the only you. reason I did all this, to please Mr. Thomas. <laughs> No, but so what did he say? So you pull up to him. What does he say? He came. I don't even remember. He just, He's like, Chris! Just, I just remember he was, like, extremely happy to see me, and it was interesting. that he was See, like, if it was me, I'd be like, Mr. Thomasy. Do you remember that time where you told me that the thing you hate the most about me, and I'm a kid, yeah. is that the other teachers like me? What's wrong with you, man? It's because of you that I've been to fucking 15 rehabs and jail for three years. Yeah. Mr. Thomasy. <laughs> Mr. Thomasy. Fucking cocksucking Thomasy. Um, What's his first name? This fucking piece of shit, Thomasy. What the fuck was his first name? I actually, you know what's the funny thing? Even though that he hated it, I always liked him as a teacher. He was like, you like everybody. I do. I like everybody. You, you do. I like most people. It's one of my most redeeming qualities. I don't think so. <laughs> All right, let's read this fucking email because this is high-octane dopey shit. We need to hit you with some dopey. This is back from June 17th. I think we haven't read it. All right? Hold on. I'll, I'll, one More Thomasy? No. Do you really think that you, you really like most people? If you hit the nail on the head. We talked about this a while ago. I don't know if it was on the show or in person. And you were like, I do like most people, but I just don't want to spend a lot of time with most people. Well, let me – I have a bigger question. Who – besides Leland Sklar, who have you spent more time with and not liked? I like Leland Sklar. I just okay. didn't like his story. It was nothing to do with Dopey. Who – Who have I not liked? And yeah. Um – there has been people, but I'm such a people pleaser that I won't even talk about it. But there have been people that you don't. Yeah, there's been people. And it's um, a lot of times arrogance and ego for certain people, but it's certain manifestations of it. Because I know a lot of arrogant people that you love. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. It's certain manifestations of it that bother me. 
Why? Why are you nodding your head like that? I just find it interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to read this email real quick. I don't like right? anybody. You don't like anyone. I hate everybody immediately. And you're pretty good about, like, like your barometer on hatred, the people you really hate. Like, if there's somebody you really don't like and I like them, usually you're right. There's something about them that's, like, they're not <laughs> right. <laughs> but I also, I, I'm the opposite. I hate people. Like, I, I suffer that contempt prior to But you like to talk to them and spend time with them. Like I the, like everybody, and I don't like to talk to anybody and spend time with right. them. No, but I don't, I don't hate them for long. Like, I hate them in my mind. But then the second I'm with them, I'm like, right. I kind of I like them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right, should I read this? Yeah. Okay. Dear Dopey, I'm so-and-so. And somewhat ironically, I work and study healthcare, though I won't mention which profession at this stage. Though, if you're going to read this on the show, please refer to me as James or any name besides my actual name. I'm in my mid-20s and I live in Brisbane, Australia. I'm a meth addict. I last used 18 days ago and before that I had a 30-plus day run of sobriety, which for me at the moment is rather good. Though reading it on my screen, it seems not so good. Ha ha. Anyway, I have a bunch of stories that I'd like to share with you guys, but I won't share all at once. I grew up about an hour north of Brisbane in a semi-rural area in a pretty well-off middle-class family with no history of substance abuse. I think my first psychoactive experience was with ether, which I did with my friend in primary school. I then moved on to raiding my parents' liquor and then their prescription jugs, most notably fentanyl patches that were expired, so I told my dad I threw them out for him. Needless to say, I got high on every last microgram. Over the years, I've abused various prescriptions and over-the-counter drugs, codeine many times in DXM once. I actually grew my own weed in bushland from when I was age 15 to 17, so I had a bit of weed too. It wasn't until around July 2016 when I first bought meth and that thing started to get really bad. I was already bad enough, it was already bad enough before that, and unfortunately I thought it was a brilliant idea to try it. The first point, 100 milligrams, I bought, I left, I let absorb under my tongue, spaced out the doses, and pretty much jerked off the whole time I was high, and accomplished nothing even vaguely interesting. But holy shit, that feeling, that dopaminergic rush, I had to have it. And I certainly did. By the time I bought my second dose, I was injecting. Injecting. I fucking loved it. The thrill of scoring, mixing the crystals and watching them dissolve, drawing it up, seeing red flashback, the acrid taste that would come up in my throat about two seconds after shooting, and of course, the rush. The sheer rush of vast amounts of dopamine being dumped into my synapses second after second, minute after minute, hour after hour. I've injected 100 milligrams to 700 milligrams, not fun, at once. 700 milligrams is a shitload of meth to shoot. I never shot less than a point at once. When it comes to getting high, there is no point of a little bit of a buzz or a bit of a trip. I would always max out, and on many occasions, I paid a price. If I bought more than two points, I'd always tell myself that I'd space it out and only do a point or less at a time. But every time, every single fucking time, I would inject a lot. Once it was in front of me, I had zero control. Whatever was there was going into my veins. I was a passenger. That's what it felt like. Even though there was absolutely zero point in doing vast doses, it pretty much felt terrible. I couldn't help myself. One side effect of my meth use has been skin picking. I remember in one of your early podcasts, a lovely young lady described believing that the moles and freckles on her body were ticks. 
Mine was more. That was a recent one. Yeah, was a recent one. Mine was more along the lines of thinking that there was always something to squeeze out of any skin mark, no matter how small or unnoticeable. Once I was tweaking, almost every single time I picked the shit out of my face and sometimes my arms, legs, and abdomen. I literally had zero control over my actions. It actually became that compulsive. Even if I would make notes to remind myself not to do and think about the fact that I shouldn't do it before shooting up, I would still do it. The only time I've not done it was my most recent use 18 years ago, 18 days ago. That seemed to be an exception for some unknown reason. So yeah, it was fucking terrible. I would inevitably crash and then sort of wake up and realize that I'd not only wasted money and time, but I've made myself look utterly fucking terrible. The skin picking was complicated by the apparently extreme analgesic effect meth had on me. I felt zero pain. I mean, I'm sure if I had broken my leg or something, I'd be What's in pain. What's analgesic? It's pain killing. Um... I mean, I'm sure if I had broken my leg or something, I'd be in pain. But while picking the shit out of my skin, I felt nothing. The next day and the day after, however, holy McFuck, I was sore. Not to mention depressed and suicidal. Anyways, I'll get to a story. And here's where it actually gets dopey. This is fucking wild. Dopey nation. Anyways, I'll get to a story. One time I had bought around half a gram of alleged MDMA powder. It had a reddish tinge to it, How? However, when I filtered it through a 22 micron uh, syringe filter from the local needle exchange, the solution was crystal clear. I looked up dosages for IV MDMA and proceeded with what I thought was a conservative dose. Hooked up the 3 ml syringe to a 26 gauge butterfly, stuck it in a juicy looking vein, and pushed in 1.5 milliliters. Holy fuck, I was high like I'd never been before. Instead of pausing and enjoying the blissful high for a moment, Within 30 seconds, I pushed in the other 1.5 ml. Wow, even more intense. And now with a lot of visuals. Patterns were moving and dancing on my phone screen. The lights had beautiful halos around them, and my hand left glowing trails as I moved it rhythmically in front of my face. This was already intense as fuck. Unsurprisingly, I decided I wanted more and shot up another another 3 ml. Straight away, I knew something was up. I felt wrong, just wrong. I was living with my ex-boyfriend at the time, and I asked him to come out onto the balcony. I couldn't speak properly, so I just said, I've taken stuff, and showed him the note app on my phone where I documented how much and what exactly I thought I'd taken. I have very brief memories after that, just snippets of terror. I went into a full-blown psychotic episode. According to my ex, I was trying to jump off our balcony. I also went around the house tearing out anything with a cord plugged in. The vacuum cleaner did not fare well in this encounter. I got a container of fried rice and threw it everywhere throughout our apartment. After spending some time (laughs) trying to stop me killing myself and destroying our apartment, my ex called 000. Paramedics and police came. The cops held me down and handcuffed me so the paramedics might have a chance to candlelight me and knock me in the fuck out. Apparently, it took them hours, and unsurprisingly, I required a lot of IV midazolam to shut me the fuck up. Up until when I got knocked out by the IV benzos, I was apparently screaming all sorts of shit the entire time. And as a side note, noise noise travels pretty easily through the apartment complex. During one of the snippets, I remember several people were holding me onto my couch, and the most intense searing pain came from my wrist where the handcuffs were. Not that I knew it at the time. And just to top things off, when the emergency services arrived, I was completely naked. Not even a pair of shitty underwear to cover my shame. Apparently, as I was traveling in a circular way through the various streets of stimulant psychosis, states of stimulant psychosis, 
as in I felt I would switch from one reality to another and start again over and over. I would get really super horny in one such reality, and my ex said, much to my eternal shame and disgust, that the only way for him to calm me down and stop me from heading for the balcony and killing myself or destroying more electronic appliances was to let me suck his dick. Yep, part of me literally died on the inside when he told me this. I didn't remember that in any of my memory snippets, and apparently I screamed the following during the hours it took to cantilate me. If you cannot cantilate me, then just fuck me in the ass. The arse is how he spelled it. My ex said one of the cops, a big burly blokey bloke (laughs) kind of cop, just said nah, mate, with a look of complete disgust. Next thing, I wake up in a hospital bed. What's cantilate mean? I don't know. I think it's on an IV, I'm assuming. Um, Next thing, I wake up on a hospital bed in a large metro hospital in Brisbane feeling drowsy and sore as fuck. I look towards my feet and see that I'm in what looks like ED and my handcuffs are and my hands are handcuffed. Dread, like a bullet piercing my soul, is all that I felt at that point. I hoped for a moment that I was dreaming, but I knew I wasn't. After I got out I called my ex and found out what happened while walking home. In spite of all the terrible things I had done, one of the first things I actually fucking asked him was, Did they throw the rest out? Needless to say, he was really fucking mad and obviously had every right to be. He'd spent the day cleaning up my mess and was especially pissed at the fried rice I'd lobbed everywhere. My ex and I are good friends now and I try to support him emotionally a lot. The guilt I feel for the things I put him through will never fully go away. Mm. If he wasn't there, I would probably have jumped off the balcony and spread my brains all over the neighbor's patio below. Anyways, that's one of my many stories. I hope it was of some interest and not too rambly. Next time I send you guys another story, I'll let you know how I'm traveling um, in terms of staying clean. For the past two months or so, I've substituted meth for weights at the gym and considered I've only used once in that period. I guess it's going well. Time will tell, though. P.S. Your podcast is fucking awesome. You guys have amazing chemistry together as hosts or presenters or whatever the term is. Podcasters, perhaps? And I do enjoy the frequent interjections. To be perfectly honest, I love the traditional dopey the most, i.e. drug stories, but I've enjoyed all your podcasts so far. I started with the new ones, but now I'm making my way through the old ones from the beginning and onwards. I use Podcast Addict, by the way. The one about Chris, I think, nodding and throwing the burning cushion out the window made me laugh so fucking hard. You guys are awesome, and you're both doing a great job. Please keep it up. All the best, James. Great email. It was a great email. It was fucking long. He took his sweet-ass time, you know, to actually write that whole thing. You when know? he Thank woke you. Up, Thank you, James. James, awesome. Thank you. I have a question. Yeah. And forgive me if this is a homophobic question, James, because I'm not... You guys don't both know that I'm not homophobic. Yeah. <clears throat> When he wake- I didn't know it was a guy the first time writing. And then when he said that he's sucking the dick, I was like, I, I was like, oh, this is a chick, you know? You were desperate. <laughs> you were <laughs> desperate that it was, it was a guy. <laughs> and, he, and, and then Chris calls me up. He's like, Dave, I think he's gay. <laughs> and I was like, what gives you that idea? But not to sound homophobic, maybe I'm just dirty and gross. What? But when he goes to the hospital and he's sore... Is it because one of the guys took him up on it and fucked him in the arse and his arse is sore? What, one of the cops? Or his boyfriend. He said to his boyfriend, either callate me or whatever the word is. No, he said that to the cops. But the boyfriend was there too. I don't think the cops were going to let the boyfriend have sex He's with like, him. all right, mate, <laughs> take a go. Go. This what, so didn't go over have a root well for you. <laughs> have a root in the old bedroom and we'll throw some shrimp on the bobby. They, um, this guy's hilarious, man. He really pushed the limits there with this thing. Well, I think that the interest, another interesting piece is, do you think that the boyfriend was really upset about the fried rice? 
I mean, we're talking about his whole world came to an end. That night. You yeah, I'm sure the fried around. rice was the least of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure the fried rice was the least of it. But if he had a carpet, it'd be pretty bad. Oh, yeah, all that if picking, a carpet, it'd be picking rice out of the carpet. <laughs> Especially if he was walking on it and smashing it into the carpet. Oh, yeah, smashed rice in the carpet is... is it'd be horrible. It's it's a, it's a difficult problem. To I know what he's with. talking about, the trails on the hands. You ever had that? Of course. Yeah. It reminds me of... Um, That's Wild Store. Super dopey, though, right? That's a great story. I can't believe you sell that homophobic stuff. I didn't say anything homophobic. It was just a Super joke. homophobic. It was a joke. He said he was sore after he begged to be fucked in the ass. You want to hear something? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to think? Well, he probably... I mean, maybe he wouldn't be sore if he got fucked in the ass, because he's used to it. I'm sure everybody, as, as long as the cock is mighty or big or whatever, anybody who gets fucked in the ass is going to be sore. No matter how, I think, right? Well, Dopey Nation, if, if you have a lot of anal sex and you're on the receiving end, how often is your uh, ass sore from the dick? Please write to us at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> it reminds um, me of... Um, you know what's funny? Right, what? no, no, you go. no, please. I was just saying, I was talking to one of, um, one of the students from my school. Yes. When we were hanging out together. You're like, tell me, after you get fucked in the ass, <laughs> is your arse sore? <laughs> no, but I told him, we were talking about relationships, and I was talking about somebody um, I used to date, and I said she was gender fluid. And I meant she was sexually fluid? You know, and she's like, wait, she's like, are you gay? I'm like, No. And then you're trying to use like big terms with these these kids that are so much more gender evolved than you. <laughs> they are. What do you mean by gen- what do you mean sexually fluid? What does that mean? They're just like bisexual and like weird. Not weird. I don't. You're like, trying to sound important. smart to some fucking kid. No, I wasn't trying to sound smart. I was trying to use the right term and I used the wrong term. It's, it's not. It's not, I feel bad that I even said the word weird. Gender. I mean, not, uh, sexually fluid. I think it's just like being bisexual. You feel bad like that you used the word weird? Where? With, um... The student, where you're talking about your gender fluidity? No, that I, right now, I'm just saying, because nothing's weird. I'm okay with everything, you know? Well, what did you so say? Whatever. <laughs> what did you say was weird? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even know. But anyways, I said that I was going to someone gender, and if someone's gender fluid, that's different. That's like they identify... I cannot imagine what it's like in your head. <laughs> I cannot, because you're like, you're saying these things... Then but then later on, but then later on, I made a joke with her that in prison I raped somebody. You made a and joke I, with a, a female student about yeah, rape. Yeah, and I made the joke with her, and, Dude. Then, and then I just said the gender fluid thing, and she didn't really crack me on it. She was like so shocked, and then I was like, "I'm just kidding." And then she's like, "Well, you said the whole gender fluid thing," and then I realized I had painted this false this picture. dark picture that you're a gay <laughs> rapist <laughs> in prison. Can I, can I tell you how I picture your brain? I picture your brain. Like, um, I was like, it's rape or be raped. And I was like, and I'm gender fluid, so I don't mind raping a girl. I was like, and it's not gay if I rape him. Um, wait, it's not gay if I rape him, is it? Um, this is how I see your brain. I see it as like a ride in, you know, like those rides in Disney World where like there's water and you're in the car and you go, like Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Yeah. Or like a log flume. Yeah. This is what I see. I see... You're in the car, in the flume, yeah. and you're going down the water, 
and each passage, what you're checking with these committees and in, in, in different, you're like, yeah. is this story okay? <laughs> you put your thumbs up and they go, yes! And you keep going. And you go, wait, guys, do you think this is okay? And they go, yes! And you go through and then all of a sudden they're like, no! And you, no shut up, stop, stop! Yeah, that's how I see you're telling the story and you hear all these things, that sounds okay, Chris, you can keep going. Yeah. That, and then you're like, wait, what, did I just say weird? And then like, <laughs> it's funny. It is what happens. Anyway, the best thing, it's the first time we ever got an email where they confused my story with your story and oh, thought yeah. it was good. Because yeah. that couch cushion story was all me. Yes, that was solid. That was a solid story. The other thing that this story reminds me of was um, was the time that I seized in my loft bed. And, uh, and I, you know, the loft bed was like six feet high. Yeah. It's this tall, uh, to the dopey nation, not from Manhattan or city in general, but more in Manhattan. When they loft a bed, they use it to make more room. So the loft, it'll be like right near the ceiling. How can there be room and coffee and Did room I say right? in the apartment? No, you said it wrong. But it's the same use of the word room. Uh, I don't know, man. And dude, they have lofts outside of Manhattan. They have them all over the world in the country. They have hay lofts I think where there's tons of room for everybody. <laughs> Dude, I think that when it's for the Dopey Nation, these type of lofted beds are you really being close serious? To the if they don't say with, lofted bed; it's a loft bed. No, it's lofted bed. No, it isn't. Not <laughs> check <laughs> the check the committee in your brain on this one. But they're really close to the ceiling, Dopey Nation. So right. for him to fall out, it's a fucking trek to the floor. I fell out, Plus. and I've told this story onto the coffee <laughs> table, onto a, a two. A, uh, two and a half foot glass bong, one of those hand blown glass bongs yeah. with the gems in it. Fuck you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. I woke up and my arse was sore. No, but I, it smashed, yeah. okay? And I just, <laughs> I fell down onto the coffee table and there was blood and glass everywhere. And, uh, and I was just gone. And then you went back to bed or what'd you do? No, then my girlfriend called the, the ambulance and the cops called came. Called zero, zero, zero. <laughs> Imagine. Wouldn't that make much more sense than 911? <laughs> I know. Zero, zero, zero. It's so like, what the be. fuck are we doing here? <laughs> Nine, what the fuck is 911? Zero, zero, zero. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then the other thing that it reminded me of is like when I finally came to in the hospital, all I could remember was that in a loft bed, or as Chris calls it, a lofted bed, there's room between the mattress and the frame. And in that room, yeah. I would keep bags of dope. And I remember I had four bags of dope left in that space. Yeah. So I came to in the hospital and I was like, we got to go home. home right away. But then I stayed there and then I got clean in the hospital. And when I got home, I remember nobody else knew the dope was there. Yeah. So I didn't have a chance. Did you have a binky, a shooter? A I, wasn't, I wasn't shooting then. It was before I, it was before I was shooting. Oh, really? I think. I don't know. Maybe I had a binky. Did you call it a binky? <laughs> yeah, binky. Do you know, I never called it anything besides a needle. I never it's, call it's it... It's not even a needle. It's a syringe. I did, but I started working at BD. syringe. Dopey Nation, when I started working, I worked at Becton Dickinson, which is the world's largest manufacturer of syringes, and I manufactured syringes, and I used to call them needles in there, and everybody's like... They're not fucking needles. They're syringes. And we make barrels and rods. Like, like barrels and plunger rods. Because I would use like vernacular from my using days. I couldn't get rid of it. Right. Yeah. No, I would call them needles. And I would never, I would never call <laughs> like them Like how bankies. many shooters did you make? 
Is there a defect on that outfit? Is that what you would say? <laughs> no. Dude, when you, when you put yourself... A lot yourself, of works today. <laughs> when you put yourself into the needle factory, which for my money, I've heard all of your stories. Like, yeah. I've, I've probably heard 90% of your stories. Yeah. Them. Needle Factory is number one for me. Why do you like... It's just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that I went to rehab and the first job that I got was working for a syringe factory and this particular syringe factory in Canaan, Connecticut makes more syringes than any syringe factory in the entire world. But fuck that. And then I was in molding. I was responsible for making close to a million syringes a day by the time I left there. It's amazing. And I didn't pay any attention. But I was fucking them all. Still, I was not doing my quality checks. But that's still not the thing about it that gets me. The thing you were in phase four still. No, I left phase four. But you were still reporting. I applied. I applied. How, how could they have said, "Yeah, Chris, that sounds like a good idea. Go, <laughs> go work in the needle factory. Go make works all day as yeah. quality control for a graveyard <laughs> shift where all you can think about is the is the plunger and registering it and drawing me up at first. Of, it oh, me really? Up. <laughs> yeah. No, but there comes a while after a few months. It was becomes just like, mechanical. It was just nothing, yeah. It's like working on a porno set or something. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that happens. You know, if you work on a porno set, if sex just becomes like stupid and old. I think it has to. After a while. You're right? seeing that much. I read an article about it once. I knew that I was going to a dark place when I read that article. <laughs> yeah, when you were reading those things. Sometimes I get sucked into those smutty articles in my Facebook news feed. Yeah. They're always dumb as fuck. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, should we call Daniel? Yeah. All right, so did he? Do you have his number? Yeah. All right, good, because you can hold the phone, because I don't like. Holding. No, I'm not no, holding I know, the you phone. Hold, you're holding the phone. No, you no, know why I'm not. Payment, this is your penance no, for Leland. No, this, this is, is your penance bullshit. for Leland. I'm never holding the phone again. Dopination, it sucks to have to hold the phone. No, no, that's not what sucks. Because I correct it. Yeah, you have well, to. Because Dave fucking I'll, holds it. I'll, I'll never correct you. You fucking call him. Because yeah, I have to edit the thing. You don't do anything. <laughs> Just you edit your mistakes. <laughs> All right, what's his fucking number? It's in the Facebook messages. You think Uh, I I know his number? I swear to God. (laughs) It's like I hold the. Guys, I hold the phone, and the whole. He's shooting me these dagger looks, like I'm like fucking in gymnastics class doing it wrong. Like I can't do a forward roll. It's like you suck. It's like the, the amount of shame I feel just from holding the phone wrong. Going back to gymnastics class over here. Uh, he didn't. He didn't give us our number. You're a fucking idiot. Where's his fucking number? What's wrong with? Oh, I got you? it. I got it. Can you click it? And call By the it? way, James, that was an awesome email. Thank you. It really was. I can't remember this number. You're not smart. Just click <laughs> it. It'll call. It's not clickable. You're a fucking idiot. You shouldn't be doing this on the show. What? Oh yeah, my dad hates when we do this stuff. I think this stuff is comedy gold. I love it. You don't like it? I'm always into that. I got it here. I got it. I got it. Are you calling it? No, call. You know, my dad hates it when we fumble around to play something. Is it 5650 at the end? I don't know. Let me see. I think it's it. Yeah. Daniel, what's up? It's Chris, dude. What's up, Chris? How was yoga, man? Yoga? Well, it was meditation, actually. It was meditation. Oh, meditation. How was it? It was really fucking hard. We just talked about it in the last episode. 
yeah. yeah. Wait, let me just uh, let me just before we get started do a quick introduction. Um, yeah. So this is Daniel. He uh, started listening to Dopey a while ago. You can talk about that later if you want. But anyways, he has a podcast called Released into Captivity. He did about a ten year stint in prison and a bunch of county time. It was ten years and three months. Ten years and three months. Yeah. Hey Daniel, how you doing, bud? Hey, what's up, Dave? How you doing? Chilling. Yeah. We just want to say your thing. So released into captivity. Check it out, Dopey Nation. We'll try to say it a bunch of times so it sticks. Uh, great podcast. Some serious reflections on what it's like to be incarcerated and how fucked up the system is. Have you listened yeah, to this podcast, how hard, Chris? How hard it is when you get out, too. Because when you get out, like, it's really fucking hard. And, and, and it's not like, you know, there's a lot of encouragement when you're in prison to, you know, pour your heart out to another man about how, how hard it is and all your struggles that you're going through. You know, there's not a lot of crying on each other's shoulders in there. Of course, of course. And Daniel, um, for the Dopey Nation, we uh, played one of his voice memos where you uh, shot meth for the first time in the car. That, that was the one, right? Oh, yeah, that was fucking great. That was hilarious. Um, Dude. That was so and, fucking and, funny. And come to find out, like, I, I guess everybody thinks they're going to die the first time, you know? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you're, the first thing you think is, you're like, I think I did too much. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then what was funny was that... The guy that I was with, he thought I was, he really thought I was going to die too. You know, he didn't. Of course, he didn't tell me until a month later. But that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so, what's going on, man? Talk to us. Oh, dude, just man, I I lost my fucking vape today. What a disaster that was. So, what'd you do? I, mean, I was golfing. Uh, yeah, I was fucking on the golf course, and I was like. Uh, I don't know what happened. I just, I was on like the ninth hole and I'm like, dude, I lost my vape, man. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. It, it, but you know what's pretty awesome is, you know, I, I've, I've kind of dove in head first into recovery. And so, shit, six months ago, I would have I would have completely lost my shit, dude. I would I would have went off the rails, you know. And I was just like, whatever, dude, you yeah. know. There you go. Just let well, it go. No, see, that's go. very interesting because me and Chris were talking about something like this earlier. It's like when your program is elevated and like you're doing the work like on a pretty consistent basis, adversity doesn't seem so adverse. It rolls off your shoulders. You know? Yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like the crisis mentality. It's like every little thing's a crisis. I used to share about this all the time. Like I'd spill some coffee in my car and I'd be like, fuck, yeah. Yeah. shit, fucking coffee everywhere. Oh, my God. What the fuck am I going to do? You know, it's like, dude, it's fucking coffee, man. Yeah. Relax, you know? Like, God. And then so if you string, string a few crises together, it's all over. The world's ending. Oh, you spill your coffee oh. and then you lose your vape? Oh, you got to be running for the bottle. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Then I'm then I'm trying to fill up that syringe with as much dope as I can and fucking try to kill myself. You know, I mean, it's it's insanity. It's just total insanity. So and, and so I guess you know I do have a podcast, releasing the captivity, and um, you guys actually inspired it. You know, my my ex Denise, she she had listened to that sober guy actually when her and I first got into recovery at the beginning of this year, and he had a guy that did a bunch of time. On and he had made a statement, and I think Chris even talked about this too. In uh, your, you know, in that first that story he told about the first day in Orange County Jail at Theo Lacey, which I was there also. How, <laughs> how they, they wanted that your your celly told you he wanted you to go kick that guy's ass, something yep. like that. Yeah, Olson. <laughs> His name is Olson. 
I didn't even know what he looked like. There's a go kick Olsen's ass in cell six. That was at Central before I got transferred to Lacey. Oh, dude, I was at Central for like three days, and I don't remember. I think I remember going to Chow one time. Yeah. I remember going to Chow one time, and uh, <laughs> and then they were waking me up because I was sleeping the whole fucking time I was there, dude. Oh, Central's yeah. nasty, dude. Central is gross. There's roaches and stuff. L- Lacey's like the Ritz compared to Central. <laughs> Oh, Lacey was great. Yeah, Lacey's, Lacey's like nice. one of the best facilities that I've ever been to, <laughs> ever, anywhere. Oh, it's like, so clean and everything. Oh, it's brand new, and they were doing construction on a whole new part of it, and oh, it's just beautiful, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, I was in, I was in county jail in, uh, I was in county jail in Las Vegas. Oh my god, what a fucking shithole that place is, dude. Really? It, oh god, it's bad. It's like the, the I would say Las Vegas, uh, Chino. I was in Chino State Prison here in California, which is pretty famous. Yeah. I'm sitting, dude. Were I'm, you just I'm were you the, were you getting yeah. transferred, or did you do your time in Chino? Oh, dude, no. I, I was living in like the Beverly Hills of the California Department. The of Firehouse. And, yeah, at the Firehouse, right? So oh, it's shit. like a house. It's like a house. On the prison. They're like, growing cilantro and jalapenos there. Exactly, dude. Oh my, I, dude, I used to bring these jalapenos to chow with me. And one time, the Southsider, right, which is like a, a Mexican-American gang member from Southern California. The Yeah, he asked me for if he could have one. And the setup was fucking perfect. So I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So I give him one. And, you know, we're eating these jalapenos every day, dude. Like, so we're acclimated to them because they're fucking hot. So yeah. I, and he's, it's me and these three Southsiders sit at this table. So I give it to him. And, dude, the guy, he was fucking drinking all of his homies' water. <laughs> dude, it, it was great. It was great. It was, and so the white, the white guy, like, destroyed the, the Southsiders with jalapenos. That's the beauty yeah, of the story. It, it was hilarious. <laughs> His two homeboys were like, I fucking told you, man, not to eat that pepper. Daniel, weren't you impressed yeah. that I knew that it was the firehouse that was the Beverly Hills and that I knew you grew fucking whatever, peppers <laughs> hey, and fucking cilantro? Hey, seriously, Dopey Nation, that's pretty impressive, right? Like, I'm, I'm shocked that you knew all that. Like, I know for a fact Chris has not listened to any of the episodes. <laughs> I, I asked you yesterday which one was your story because I was like, I gotta listen to it. <laughs> I haven't listened yet. So, so, so I know, now I know even more for a fact that between yesterday and today, there's no way you listen. <laughs> wow. I felt bad. <laughs> You're such a piece of, he's a piece of shit, Daniel. This is classic, classic Chris. Hey, Everyone hey, thinks. What, what happened to no more roasting on Chris, dude? I, I was on that Twitter Thread, man. What there the you fuck? go. Oh no, I just won't. I will never bash Chris in a public sphere where other people's voices are just as important as mine. But on Dopey, you damn. I'm gonna fucking bash Chris. Are you kidding me? That's half the show. What am I gonna do? Not bash Chris on Dopey? Dude, I would be so pissed off at you if you stopped bashing Chris. That yeah. would just be stupid. Like you have to bash him. I can take and, it. And, and, <laughs> and I love you, Chris. You're a fucking awesome, amazing, raging ass addict with some of the most debaucherous stories I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> Thank and you. I've heard some pretty bad ones, to <laughs> tell you the truth. I mean, I have been with the shit at the bottom of the barrel of society, after all. Yes. And Daniel, just so you know, I love Chris too. I, I just bash him because it's fun. Um, I, I, to- I know you. I know you. Well, I mean, if you guys listen to episode four, Prison Rockstar. 
the guy that I have on that episode, oh my God, he roasts everybody. He had a uh, he had a daily post in one of the dorms I was in at uh, Norco in prison that was called Dirt Bagel. What does that mean? Well, dirt. So they have these little Christian. Um, devotional pamphlets that's called the daily bread okay and so durer is the german day right and, and and a bagel is a jewish pastry yeah so it was kind of a play, a play on, on the thing yeah like <laughs> <laughs> right so, so what he just hang him up for people to read everyone was that was he jewish or german or neither no, he was neither. He just bashed everyone. Like, he bashed <laughs> Christians and Muslims and Jews. He ba- like he, he just bashed everybody. He had uh, So he did this post for 360 days straight, and then he didn't do it ever again after that. But he would do little things like infamous quotes by unfamous people, right? So, like, he heard me say one day in the dorm, hey, that's part of the fringe benefits. And he goes, did you say French benefit? And I was like, no, dude, I didn't say French benefit. Yeah, you said French benefit. So he posted on a little thing. Oh, that's part of the French benefits, Daniel. You know, he was just, he was, he was just an asshole. So, Daniel, how is, um, how are you enjoying, well, first of all, how did, did you find the vape on the golf course? Dude, I, I, we walked, and so I borrowed a cart when we were done, because we only played nine holes. And me and this one of the guys from the program went with me. We could not find it. So I had to go and spend 60 fucking dollars and buy another one on my way home. Well, if it makes you feel better, I dropped my vape about two days before I was going on the meditation retreat. And the, uh, the glass tank shattered. And then my whole thing was to quit on the meditation retreat. I bought another one, and then I made it like a day after I got back, and now I'm vaping again. <laughs> well, my new thing is it's, it, it's a house vape and a dopey vape. And so a car I, vape. I, and a car vape. So. It's an everything vape except for – it's like I won't vape in church. I won't vape in class. I won't vape when I'm out at the club. Like where, where do you not vape? Yeah. Those places. Do, do you look for meetings where you're allowed to vape and smoke at? There should be. I don't know any. There's meetings, none. Though, There's yeah. none in Manhattan. There's none in New York. I vape oh. in meetings sometimes. Like I'll vape in like out in the Berkshires and stuff because it's just a bunch of clowns and they just kind of look at you and frown like a young people's meeting. <laughs> but I'll do it. Oh, Blow we have to my shirt. outside meetings here. That's so nice. We have, like, meetings that are in parks and stuff, and so you can sit there and vape at the meeting oh, in the that's park. Sick. I would love that. When I was in when I was in uh, rehab in Florida, they would have. Uh, Campfire they would have early morning beach do, meetings. Do they have like beach meetings in Florida too? Cause we yeah. have like meetings right on the beach here. Like just a meeting right on the beach in Newport Beach. It's so good. That, that's the way all meetings should be. You know, to yeah. be out there in the world, that would be beautiful. I was at this meeting. I was at this meeting in Santa Ana, Chris. Oh, uh, it's called uh, Out of the Darkness. Right, and it's like they have this meeting, and they have this it's old, old meeting in Hollywood called uh, Monday Night Madness, where they pass out like noisemakers and stuff. Like they, they they like have buckets full of noisemakers, and they and they're like, all right, everybody makes a bunch of noise, and everybody just screams and yells and makes all kinds of noise. Right, it's an NA meeting, so we're fucking nuts in NA, right? Yeah. So. They have one that's like it in Santa Ana, and this uh, this this Native American guy was the speaker, and he was sharing about how he went he went to his first meeting, and he was like, "This is going to be like church, man. I know it." And the guy that was at his sober living with him was like, "No, no, man, it's not." And he's like, he gets in there, and it's like the first thing that they do is like 
the Lord's Prayer, right? He's like, I fucking knew it. This is church, right? A bunch of religious geologists. So he's like, so he's sitting there, like five minutes in, they pass the seventh tradition, and he's like, see, here we go, dude. These are a bunch of church people. So he leaves the meeting totally disgruntled in it. The next morning, his buddy wakes him up, and he's like, hey, let's go, man, let's go. He's like, where are we going? Oh, we're going to a meeting. He's like, are you fucking serious? It's like 9 o'clock on Saturday. He's like, yeah, dude, come on, let's go. So he says he, he heads out, and he's got this black trench coat on and these black glasses, and he says they go, show up at this meeting, and, uh, you know, everybody are kinda, everybody's kind of looking at him funny. They're in Redondo Beach, on the beach. And I, I just start laughing because I can just picture this Indian guy with long hair in a fucking black trench coat. <laughs> on Redondo Beach, dude, on the beach, like, what the fuck, <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty funny, dude. He was a, he was a good speaker. So let me ask so, you something. Let yeah. me, let me ask you something. Go. You started recording Released Into Captivity, what, six months ago now? You know, so it's been about four months, so... Um, uh, so Denise had listened to I think it's episode 67 or 69 of that sober guy and then she branded your guys podcast and, and it was the jail stories one so mm-hmm. I listened to the jail stories one and I was like cause she, she called me and she was like hey you, you need to like you're supposed to do this like you're supposed to do this podcast. Like the one thing that you do, you don't do anything good except get <laughs> high and talk, right? Like right. that's it. <laughs> so, so I listened to you guys talking, and I was like, dude, you guys are you guys are just hilarious. Just your banter back and forth, and I really wish that you guys hadn't lost that lost episode with uh, with the, with your friend Dave. Yeah, where oh, you yeah. guys got in the fight because that would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, and, he, and you know, you guys he, going and, at it. and Dave died. Did you know that? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, dude, I listen to every week, dude. I can't wait for Sunday to come around so I can listen to the dopey. Oh, That's awesome, beautiful. Man. I feel like such a piece of shit. I haven't, just so, so you know, I haven't listened to anybody. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He... Hey, well, Chris, you are a piece of shit. That's what... <laughs> I'm joking. No, we're on the same page. Daniel, either. very, very well said. Very well said. <laughs> All right, so you back to the thing. Your girlfriend said you can talk and do drugs, and so then it was born? So, right. So then I was like, okay, man. Like, what do I have to do to do this? And obviously, I'm I'm a little obsessive, you know? So it took me, you know, I started talking to you guys months ago, right? So yeah. my, my dad has been an, a sound guy for my whole life. So I, you know, I said, hey, you got any microphones? He was like, yeah, I got microphones. I mean, this guy's a little obsessive, too, and he's a normie. I'm sitting at his house, and he has the kitchen table covered with, like, 15 different microphones, right? That's so cool, so, though. It's like it's like you were, you were born to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you dude, come from the place to do this. You know? Yeah, I love it. I think so. I, I think so. And so I started reaching out to you guys, you know, and... Obviously, I start Googling it, and there's a there's too much shit on the internet, you know? Like, uh, who do you listen to? Who don't you listen to? And and the one thing that everybody that Dave, you, and Chris kept telling me, and my brother, and, and Denise was like, look, just put out the episodes, man. Stop fucking tweaking on the logo. Stop tweaking on anything. Just put this, put it out there, right? So I had, I had recorded two episodes, episode... Um, Five, which is my boy Blue. You my boy Blue, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and which that one, dude? If you guys listen to that one, Chris, Chris, if okay. you listen to that episode, <laughs> that this guy is my friend Mark Lambert. He is so intelligent. He is one of the most intelligent and articulate 
people that I know, and he, he, you know, he's an addict, and he's he's struggling. He's still struggling to this day. I, I talk to him probably once a week, and so we talked about like the culture of life and the culture of death, and so I recorded that one in my in my my bedroom first. That was probably four months ago, and then about a week later, I recorded the prison rock star interview, and and I had thought that my friend Mike in that episode was going to be my co-host because he's just he's a crazy horrible heroin addict, and uh, he, but he's awesome. He's like one of the most creative, and, and it's him singing in the introduction music. Oh really? So, hmm. Yeah. So that introduction music, I don't know if I talked about it in the episode you listened to, Dave, but they. Re- my buddies, uh, it was Mike, Mark, Cameron, and um, Fred, they recorded uh, about 16 songs in prison, at NCRC prison in wow. Norco, secretly. So they recorded like a whole album worth of music, videos and everything. They're on YouTube. You guys can check it out. Black Swan Dairy. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Black Swan Dairy? Siri. Siri. Oh. Black Swan, S-I-R-I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, theory. T-A-T-O-R-Y. Oh, theory. Theory. Black Swan theory. Yeah, because Black Swan dairy doesn't make any sense to me at all. (laughs) That's some shit that he would probably name something and make some sense out of it somehow, but no. When he was really loaded. I mean, I've seen the guy loaded off a hand sanitizer. Have you ever done that, Chris? No. (laughs) No? Never. Apparently, there's some some ingredient in hand sanitizer, and if you drink a whole bunch of it, you get fucked up, dude. I've heard that. it's true. I've seen him. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was smacked out, too. Yeah. But, I mean, he was fucking a train wreck on this hand sanitizer, right? It was crazy. So, so, so he was supposed to be the co-host? I, I had asked him to be my co-host first, but he, he lives in San Diego, and he's got three young kids. And he's, he's, I, was his, I was the best man in his wedding uh, in, like, 2014. And uh, you guys should totally listen to that. I, I think that might be... Uh, the episodes are all good, but that might be one of the best ones. It's kind of like him and I just chopping it up, really. Hmm. You know, kind of like how you guys do it, you know, reminiscing a lot, maybe a little bit too much. But yeah. his his story is crazy. I mean, it, it, it reminds me a lot of you, Chris, how crazy I'm sure you were when you went on one of your two-week runs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just like ball to the wall, you know, until you're dead or in, incarcerated. And... uh so he he has a similar story to that, and I wanted him to be the co-host because he's so witty and just he's he's funny and he and he roasts everybody, you know. But he's just too busy. So uh, Carlos was all, was the the the, uh, the cameraman recording their videos in prison. We all lived in the same dorm, so. I reached out to Carlos, and he actually works for the Anti-Recidivism Coalition, which is a great organization I started working for. I actually went to Sacramento for the first time in my life uh, on June 27th as a part of a group with Human Rights Watch. So Human Rights Watch gathered together ARC and um, Cut 50 and a bu- uh, prison law office and a bunch of these or you know prison rights activists and they yeah. gathered us all together and we went to Sacramento and advocated for some bills that are in front of the state Congress. That's awesome. So, Cut 50 is great too. Cut 50 is really cool. What is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's just their, like a their, their people were on point too. The cut fifty people were they were on point, man. They just shared was, something on their on their Facebook page uh, yesterday that was about uh, I forget where it was published, but it was some prison is having actual inmates do the counseling, and it's like having amazing effects. You shared that, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, oh, sorry. You, keep... talk, you talked about that, Chris? What'd you say? You talked about that or I talked about that? No, I was just saying I saw it on Facebook and I shared it to my personal <laughs> Facebook page yesterday because Cut50 was mentioned it or something. Um, oh, yeah. That's a great idea, man. I mean, so 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 hopefully I'm going to have the warden on my program. No way, dude. Respond. That would be fucking wild. Sorry, keep going, but that's fucking great. A warden? Well, I, I, I actually have a personal relationship with him. I went to high school with his three sons, so. Wow. I mean, and, and they're, hopefully they're never going to listen to us, but I've, I've got loaded with all three of them, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. I'm sorry, guys, if you listen and you go, whatever, dude, you're grown-ass men. You should be fixing this already by now anyway, so. So, this guy's responsible for this dorm that we all met in. He, he cleared out a dorm and he made this college dorm in this prison. And so, in or, and, and I mean, there's murals on the wall. I'm going to try to get some pictures up because, well, you know, everybody has cell phones in prison now. So, we took pictures of everything. So, we had inmates come in and paint murals all over the walls. There's like, there's like a mural of Einstein and Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi and Abraham Lincoln and like all, all kinds of murals. And in order to get into this dorm, you had to be enrolled in college at first. And then they allowed, like, some religious, like, I talked about it in my episode, Dave, to, uh, the Urban Ministry Institute, which is, like, it's a religious organization that has, like, religious education. Yeah. And so they filled up the storm with a bunch of guys that were, you know, uh, uh, that were getting educated. And so I've met some of the most amazing men in this storm in prison, like, I mean, they're like one of the one of the guys that was with us in there actually ran for state assembly last cycle in California. No shit. Like, How'd he do? Yeah, dude. Yeah. What's up? How'd he do? Dude, he did so well that the guy he was running against was an ex-cop, right? And the, at the very end, like we're talking, you know, the last week before before uh, before voting. That, that his opposition put out this huge full-page ad of a guy with a hoodie pointing a gun, like, right at us, right? And they and they photoshopped my friend's face onto it. Wow. And they said, do you want this person representing you, right? Wow. So, That's smear tactics. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it was smear, dude, and I'm pretty Sweet. sure that there was a lawsuit behind it, too, and I'm not, I'm not sure about the outcome. But I, if I had to guess, it wasn't favorable for the guy that ended up winning the election, yeah. who was the ex-cop. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, he, he got like 20,000 votes, which is pretty fucking good. That's amazing. I just yeah. want I want to I say something, though, about your show. Like, I listened to it today, and... Uh, and I'm I'm not much better than Chris. I barely listen to anything either. Yeah, I'll, let me before Dave says that. I want to. Dave told me he listened to your podcast, Daniel, and I was like, "How was it?" And Dave fucking bashes everything. I just want you to know that he bashes everything. I do. Yeah, and he said like he like paused for a little bit, and before he even said anything, just from Dave pausing and not immediately bashing it, I was like, "Wow, it's pretty good, isn't it?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's not that." No, the thing, the thing about it is, <laughs> which is just so you know, amazing stellar reviews, Daniel, coming from Dave. No, for I'm real, <laughs> because I'm very critical, and um, and and the things that I, I got a lot out of the podcast. You know, one of the things I think that you really succeed in is like, it's like we do our show and we kind of like laugh in the face of life and death, you know, for better or for worse, you know, and when you do your show, the first thing I could think while I was listening was how glad I was that I wasn't locked up. 
you know, I was so grateful to not be in that situation as I was walking through Manhattan to work. And then, which is a very, very interesting sensation because I've been locked up and I've been in bad situations and I had this wave of gratitude because you really painted it as such a scary, like, place where you lose your freedom, you know? And, and that's that's the real thing. But then the next thing is that the episode is called Solo Rider that I listen to. Yeah. And I listen to episode zero because I like to hear you talk about us. But um, <laughs> in, in Solo Rider... It's a story of how Daniel was part of, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the greatest listener, but how, how Daniel was a member of the woodpile, and something happened. He hated some guy named Dave, which, yeah. would, which was very painful for me. I could just imagine myself in this jail getting touched up by the woodpile. But, but so he so got in, he didn't like this guy named Dave for no reason. Yeah. And, then, and he wanted to kick the shit out of this guy named Dave, who was also, I believe, in the woodpile. Yeah. And the shot caller was like, no, you can't fuck with him. We have to stay united until finally Dave fucked up. Yeah. And the shot caller's like, all right, Daniel, you can do it now. Yeah. <laughs> and Daniel's like, all right. And, and, and him and his friend beat the shit out of Dave. Yeah. And Daniel yeah. felt horrible. Like, he like yeah. he basically broke down because I'm sure that's a really scary place to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, man. <laughs> and, and, there was a riot, and I punched this little Asian guy yes. in his ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this was in, I remember this story. Yeah. It was hilarious. And then I said sorry to him like a couple of days. No, but Daniel's story, Daniel, your story was beautiful. Yeah. He he wound up yeah. confessing it to this guy, and then Daniel renounced the woodpile yeah. and became a solo rider. Really? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I got to check yeah. that out. And so then Daniel, uh, I thought you were going to say you became a woodsider. What's no. that? <laughs> yeah, a woodsider, a white cider. <laughs> uh, woodsider is like no. the, the south siders yeah, would let woods really, join there. Does he speak with an accent? Like, is no, he from the no, barrio? No, no, no. Oh. But I mean, he, he did his first seven years in Pelican Bay, dude. Oh, shit. Pelican Bay is the worst. Pelican Bay, Pelican Bay is no hands policy, right? It's a no hands policy. And if you watch the riot from 2000, I've seen and, uh, it. I've seen 2001, it. It's wild, dude. Wild. What exactly he is that the... video, dude? I can point to him in that video, man. Matter of fact, the guy that they, like, there's a point on during the riot when there's a Southsider that's going to stab this black, right? Yeah. And the tower shoots him and kills him. No shit. Right? And you just see the guy dead. Yeah. yeah. And my friend is one of the guys that's trying to drag him out of the fray. He's like trying to drag his friend who's dead, you know, out of the out of the fight. Yeah, that that oh my God. that riot was crazy, dude. Do you know what, and, Dave? Do you know what no hands policy is? No, that's what I was going to no, ask. No hands policy is if you have a beef with somebody, you, have to kill them. you can't you can't use your hands. So it's why like, would that be though? It's actually if you think of it, it kind of keeps the peace a little bit. Oh, it's because like, it, it has I mean? to be really bad to yeah, to, to, yeah. to get stuck, you know? Right. So if you want to hear if you want to hear a hilarious story about the no hands policy, listen to episode number two, Human Monsters, which is also very frightening because probably my one of, if not my best friend from prison, his name's Aaron Carrillo, and uh, he did 19 years. He got in a shootout with a cop. 
in like 1995 or 96 or something, and he did 19 years on a 22-year term, and the first prison that he landed at was Corcoran Level 4, right? Mm -hmm. And the first year that he was at Corcoran, there was 360 stabbings, 13 suicides, and 6 murders. Oh my god. That's a lot. <laughs> and, and he says in the episode that when he first got there, the first time he saw somebody get stabbed, he was scared. And he said six years later when he left, he didn't give a fuck. That's crazy. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's and, I, and he's a he's a good he's a good dude. He actually became a messianic Jew. Wow. No way. No way. Yeah. What was yeah, he before he, that? Say what? What was he before he he converted to Judaism? He was, uh, he was a, he was a, he was a, he was raised Catholic. All right. It's not a far leap. He was a Nazi lowrider. He was a Nazi he's lowrider. He's a comrade. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think he has any affiliations. And if he did, he wouldn't admit to it anyway. Are there any Nazsiders who are Nazi Southsiders? <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I've never seen yeah. one. I mean, you don't want to be a white guy. Dude, when I got the CRC in Norco, and I'm, you know, I'm a solo rider. So when I got there, I was, out of 100 men, the, the sixth white guy. So... You can imagine out of a hundred when there's only five and a guy rolls up and they get all excited and then he's like, by the way, um, I'm not with you guys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> People get pissed off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like three of those guys were pissed off. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, I, it's pretty crazy, dude. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. You know, I mean, I, I think I thank God. I think my God, you know, I, I really believe, and if you, as you guys listen to um, the podcast, I talk about some crazy times. One time in county jail where I called out all the whole Southsiders in my dorm, all of them, and no one did anything. Like, no one jumped. Like, oh my freaking, God. a freaking miracle, Chris. Like, <laughs> I, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, no, I, it's I, a I, fucking I, amazing. I think, I think, how did that happen? So we explain what exactly happened. He's basically probably, disrespecting an entire race. Well, let me hear what he did. Let me hear what he did. So this is so hilarious what this is over, right? So it's like I've been, you know, I'm fighting my case. Like I'm, I'm fighting a case. I'm looking at 15 years. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in this. I, I somehow end up in the storm. And I probably should have been in, in cell living. But I ended up in a dorm somehow, right? So uh, my, my bell started off at 50000 in it. I went to my first bail hearing and they raised it to over a hundred and so I think that had something to do with me being in uh, the storm so I'm in the storm for like five months right and um, one day you know over the speaker they're like Heron you know roll it up and I'm like what the fuck like, I'm like cool alright I'm like, like where am I going they're like dude you're getting released I was like no way I'm like awesome so 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 you know how it is Chris so I'm like giving all my stuff away I had like the best jumpsuit I had a brand new orange jumpsuit you know like right out of the package and so I give all my stuff away and I go to the wherever whatever it's called where they release you and I get into my street clothes and I'm, I'm I have my stuff ready to wa walk out and they're like Oh, we're, we're, we're sorry, man. Wrong, wrong guy. Wow. You're, <laughs> yeah, like, you're not going anywhere, right? Like, go, go back to your dorm. So they give me the shot-out ass, like, 
dingy, faded jumpsuit with like the legs cut off to where like my shins are exposed. Uh. It's like four sizes too big. So I get back in the dorm and I had given my jumpsuit to the Southsider. And I wasn't in the wood pile, so I wasn't bound by the rules that says I have to give my stuff to a white guy, right? So I had given it to this guy named Psycho in my dorm, in my cubicle. And when I got back, I was like, dude, I want my jumpsuit back, you know? And he was like, no, bro. So I, I lost my shit and was, I just was like, fuck you and fuck all of you in here, all you Southsiders, fuck everyone. And I just, I went off, dude. Like, I, I, got, a, I got a little bit of an anger problem. Right. And, uh, and, and nobody did anything. That's amazing. I, <laughs> well, they felt for you. You probably had you probably had earned their respect over all that time. You're, you're giving away your coffee and shit to everybody. You oh, know. Fuck. I guess, dude. I mean, that would never happen in prison ever. But like, don't you no think possible way? Don't you think it happened because you cultivated respect? It's the same reason why you gave the jumpsuit to Cycle in the first place. In, in prison, Dave, it doesn't matter how much respect you cultivate. Like, there's certain rules, and when you break them, there's required consequences. So, if you 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 cannot call out another race, right, you know, right, whether you're a, a solo rider or you're in the Christian car or whatever, you cannot call another race, or there's going to be consequences, right? So, you can't say fuck you to someone. You can't call someone a punk, yeah. and you can't call someone a bitch. Like those. Like right, that, I've called someone a, a, a bitch by accident, and it was almost an issue. Just totally by accident, like it was like you know what I mean. It wasn't even like you know, it wasn't disrespectful or anything. And it was like almost a really big issue of a different race. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, listen to uh, Prison Rockstar, and one of the best days of my life. <laughs> I say that laughing, but it kind of was because of what happens. I uh, that's how it started with. A Southsider calling uh, 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 this old old white guy a punk, and the old white guy like, I ain't no punk, bitch. And then the whole dorm being like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then, you know, <laughs> and it almost got out of control. Yeah. <laughs> and it just ended up with the, it ended up with the old man getting his face punched in by a, a big ass wood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what yeah, do, what yeah, do, yeah. what do all the the many many Jewish inmates do? Is there a big Jewish jump out, <laughs> jump off? Yeah, well, you know, typically, typically the Jew, the Jews would be in the woodpile if yeah. they were lightly complected. You know, I hadn't seen too many dark Jews, to be honest with you. There's no or, Jews in jail. That's really the answer to this. Are there, are there Jews there? Yeah, oh, dude, the Jews, man, the Jews, they have their own meals. They have their own kitchen in every prison. They have a kosher kitchen in every prison. Hmm. Oh, That's sweet. Because, That's good living. Because... Some Jewish inmate sued, and he did the legal work, and so not not only so as a result of that, the Muslims also benefit from. The, they get that the good halal food. food. They get I, that nice halal yeah. shit. Daniel, my favorite thing is when the paisanos get worked up over something. It's like they'll like they'll drop off like cleaning supplies every morning, and like the paisanos, like they're they're always like they're like kind of like border jumpers, or like from Mexico. You know, primary. Yeah, they, they like make cheese under their bed and like sing songs yeah. and stuff. And they like very. They, they kind of like avoid shit for the most part. But every once in a while, they'll get worked up, and it'll be they'll get worked up that like the cleaning supplies weren't divided fairly in the morning or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get yeah, enough I, soap. The, the, and they're the industrious. They run the, the whole like economy. You know what I mean? They're like washing clothes and making like they they literally cut in hair like. They make yeah. money in there, you know, just by they working hard. They got hustle, 
man. Yeah. Iron your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but the, a lot of the I, I've been in some I've been in some um, some facilities where those guys they don't fuck around either. Like like they'll kick some ass too. Like they you know they stick together really close and 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 I've been as a matter of fact with one of the dorms I was in because I was in G N H at the Olazy. Okay. Which is a whole nother story, but I've, I got so many stories, dude. Like it's ridiculous. Um, I, I, I saw a cop that I knew in, in Dio Lacey, and uh, after talking to him one time, the, the, his sergeant got scared, and they made me go to another dorm. They thought that the people were going to beat me up or something. No oh, shit. <laughs> so, um, but the, but those, the Paisas in this dorm at Dio Lacey, they ran the shit. Oh like, really? They oh, get. Yeah. I, I would see every once in a while a paisano would come in who had done some serious time and they'd be like tatted out and stuff like that. But for the most part, I mean, actually, I, had, I didn't even think of this. I had a celly for like two and a half months who was a paisano who spoke no English, none at all. And we would play cards all day. We had a fucking great time. I love that guy. His name is Renee. I fucking love that guy. We would like cheat on cards with each other and stuff, which you never do. <laughs> We're just, you know, in the cell by ourselves. It's like one of my favorite cellies and we couldn't even communicate, but we did. We figured it out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, some of my favorite people that I met in prison were Paisas. Yeah, uh, one guy they called one guy Mama. They called him Mama, and he was like the mo- the mother hen of all of them. And he would do all. He he had like a soldering iron, and so he would fix everybody's electronics. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and there was a whole bunch of them, man. They were just really cool, down to earth guys. You know, they actually thinking about they kind of remind me of Islanders a little bit. How you know how the Islanders are really like the the most friendly guys that you'll ever meet. You know, totally. Just don't flip that switch with those Islanders. Yeah. Who are they? Like Polynesian people, Hawaiians? Who are the Islanders? Yeah, Samo- Samoans, uh, Hawaiians, yeah. uh, Tongans. Do the Filipinos uh, go with them? Uh, well, they're all others. The you know, brothers and others. They're all classified as other. Okay. So and and even think- AMI, which is the Native Americans, they have their own classification, but oftentimes they get classified as others, and they all, quote, ride together. So they're all kind of aligned and they're typically aligned with the blacks, so it's usually the whites and the Southsiders, and kind of the Paisas, you know, and then it's the others and the blacks and, and the, the Norteños, which are the northern Mexican Americans. It's very complicated stuff. Um, Daniel, we're it's like very, fifteen yeah. minutes over. We gotta we gotta wind down. Awesome. <laughs> Um, I gotta, love you guys, man. This is great, dude. I, I'm so glad you guys called me. Yeah, we got to have you back on. We didn't even get you to tell any stories and stuff. Let's have but you know what I love, Dan? You know what? <laughs> My favorite Daniel that we've gotten is that story with the jewel heist and the little girl. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that <laughs> little girl. The Carl the, Ju- is that Carl Jr.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, is such yeah. a classic. I have to go try to find that little girl, man. She's probably all grown up now. <laughs> she's definitely grown up. She's probably got a little girl of her own. No, she's probably in prison. <laughs> yeah, or she's married <laughs> to some <laughs> inmate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, and you know what's funny is I have another story, too, for you guys that has nothing to do with prison. That it's crazy that I'll tell you next time I come on. Yeah, let's have you back on in like, I don't know, 10 episodes or five episodes or, or so. Dude, hey, Dave, Chris, you guys can call me anytime, man. Anytime you guys want to call me. I'll make time for you guys. Okay. You too, Daniel. You too. Please be in touch. And we love uh, that you do your show. And we love that you like ours. And I really enjoyed yours. And I know Chris will listen and he'll like it too. I'm going to listen. Yeah, um, listen, Chris. So, hey, Dopey Nation. Uh, 
released into captivity, Hope After the Cage. It's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, it's on SoundCloud. You can find it, releasedintocaptivity.com. Next week, I'm going to have a guy named Carlos uh, De Leon on. He's been out 60 days, and uh, he's still technically in custody, convicted as a juvenile. He's an amazing guy. He's an artist. Just check it out, dude. You guys will love the show. Thanks for having me on, you guys. And, yo, Chris, uh-huh. so Daniel just hit episode uh, download number 1,000, so his obsession with downloads awesome. has it's really starting. taken hold. It's starting. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm yeah. sitting here looking at Liberated Syndication right now, man, and I have, like, 64 today at 1,332. Nice. It's going to take off, man. I seriously think, like, the topic that you're doing, it's so needed, and it's just such – it's an amazing idea. It's and the people, the people that have done it, the people that have done time – for them to be able to tune in to you, it gives them this amazing release. It's so it's too bad. I always just think about this that they can't listen to podcasts in prison. You know what I mean? There's no way to get people so, to listen to it. I, I hate to plug any other podcast, <laughs> but there's another one called Ear Hustle, which is actually in San Quentin that they recorded. No so way. Yeah, you might want to check that out too. It's, it's okay. pretty good. It's All right. Pretty good. Right on. All right, Daniel. Strong dopey nation. All right, man. Later. 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 Toodles. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh man, that, he's great, dude. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. got a great radio voice. He's yeah. like, he's really witty, smart. It's fucking awesome. It's awesome. I can't believe it's amazing. And it's also good just for people to hear that, like, because it's like you get an idea of somebody who spent a decade in prison of what they think they're like, and you don't think they're like Daniel. You know what I mean? Well, also, but I mean, it's also what I always say, which is when you can find something that makes you happy. And you get, I I know he's overjoyed that he gets to make this thing. Yeah. You know, he's part of this community. Like, it's just, it's a beautiful thing when when you can find something, and I feel the same way about our thing. Yeah. When you find something that is yours, and you get to make it, and it's like people like Daniel and you and me, we used to just make a mess. Yeah. You know, to be able to make something that's like seaworthy and and that helps people. The supreme irony is that. We're making this thing that's seaworthy and helping people, and it's based off of the mess that we used to make. It's like using recycling <laughs> cans to build a boat or something. Yeah, yeah totally it's like making it's, – it's total recycling of shit. For sure. All right, let's wrap this shit up. Like us on Facebook. Check out Release in Captivity. Invite your friends to like us on Facebook. Drop us a review on iTunes. I straight cream my pants when you guys do that. I straight love it. Straight cream in your pants? Straight cream in pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, stay strong, Bill. Stay strong. strong. Wait, hold on. Dope. What else? Write a story on Reddit. Reddit. Oh, yeah. And Cormac, you're doing a great job. We love you, Cormac. I'm sorry I missed you when you came to the Next Dave. episode, I'm going to tell the Cormac story. So okay. look out. And uh, and we also have to get back to the uh, Dopey Podcast theme song challenge. Yes. We're just waiting for other entries. And we have seven so far. And uh, toodles. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to 
show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I want to be good so bad. Want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller. And it's time to where I stand. Shadow's getting smaller and smaller. And it's time to where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind. When I leave this busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds. Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. It's all I ever had, and these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, 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 and these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and 